Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. I expect them to play really well tonight. I don't know why, but I've seen it before, and uh, I expect that I'll see it again. Play action fake. Brissett scans it, looks it. People Jones is there. Caught it. He's to the 50. He's to the 45. Hurdles 40, 35, 34, 33 out of bounds at the 33-yard line. Cam Taylor Britt, the young cornerback on the coverage. What a play by DPJ. In the shotgun, Burrow takes it, turns, whips it left, and it's tipped and picked off. Intercepted down the sideline. The Browns got it. Down the left sideline, 35. It's A.J. Green. He's to the 40, 35, 30, 25. Down to the 20-yard line. On a tip drill, A.J. Green got it. Donovan Peoples-Jones off the line, wide to the right. Now Bursette goes out wide right. Chubb's going to take a direct snap. Takes it, runs right, cuts left. He goes in, touchdown! What a play! Hudson down the line in motion. They give it to Chubb. Dances left, rubs left. He's in for two. It's 8 nothing. James Hudson is doing a gazelle flop over to the sideline. He looks like he's skating for gold in the Olympic figure skating. Mixon in the backfield with Burrow. And Burrow play action fake. Here comes the pressure. They got him. Isaiah Thomas got him back at the 34-yard line. How about that? What a sack by the rookie Thomas. Brissett play action fake. He drifts back. He's up in the pocket. He rolls left. Rolls left to the pylon. Dives. Touchdown! Jacoby Brissett. He took the long way home. Brissett's got it. Back to pass. Stepping. Stepping. Going to go long. Cooper's out there. He caught it! At the 15-yard line, he gets up because he's not touched. He's running to the five. He goes in the end zone, and they're going to blow it dead. They're going to bring him back. He caught it. What a catch by Amari Cooper and the chant of Coop all around First Energy. Chubb darts left. He's through to the five and going in. Touchdown. Nick Chubb. And he may have blown this thing wide open. Fourth down, Burrow throwing, right sideline, and it's knocked away! Great play by MJ Emerson. The rookie does it again, knocked the ball away, the ball goes over on downs. Game, set, match. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Oh, it feels good to do it live on a Victory Tuesday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Um, you know, there was a, a, it was the Patriots game where it, it felt like it was a manifestation of all of the bad things all happening at once. This was a manifestation of all of the good things happening at once. This was, to me, it felt like everything that we thought this team could be at its best, these first 11 games, all coming home to roost in one game. It was great. It was pure yeah. joy. I mean, yeah. it, what a night for the city. What a night for this team. What a night for the, the fans around the world to see the Browns go out and turn in a performance. And it wasn't perfect. There are things that can be improved upon, but it was it pretty was close. Pretty close offense, defense, special teams. I thought masterful game planning on both sides of the ball from Joe Woods defensively, from Kevin Stefanski on offense. 
I mean, and then the execution of the players. And that's when you can have a lot of success, right? You lay out a perfect plan, yep. and then you execute it almost flawlessly. That's when you get to have fun. Uh, there's something to it. The Browns and the Bengals, the Browns and Joe Burrow, there's clearly something to it. There's something to Miles Garrett and Jonah Williams. That guy just has no, he has no chance. answer for him, and you, no. it's apparent watching the way he tries yeah. to block Miles. Um just a great performance. We're going to give a lot of people credit, but I want to give you know the much beleaguered Joe Woods a ton of credit for the game plan that he came up with against this Bengals offense without Jamar Chase. But by the way, a team that's got Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon. The last one, I don't know if I don't know what that is. It's anymore. quite formidable. Like well, they Mixon, can't run. They can't run it. They can't run it. They can't block it. They and without Chase's it. explosiveness, there's nothing really to fear. You're watching the game and you're going. Who out there is scary? Burrow's incredibly accurate. He's great down the sidelines. The other two receivers are really good. Neither one of them, though, is a true one in the way that Chase is. Chase is shot out of a cannon. He's a top five and we receiver took, in the league. Yeah, I mean, well, I said, yeah, I said when the injury happened, I thought he was a top five offensive player in the league other than quarterbacks. Like, if it's there's, it's a short list. It's five, He's a top five or ten. I mean, it's a couple of backs and it's some receivers, but he's one of them. For sure. I mean, just yeah. the receiver position, there's Tyreek Hill. There's Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and him. Those are it. That's and and Stefan Diggs. I mean, we're we're playing it. We have to remember. very high level. We're yeah. playing. There's a league right now that has some unbelievably right. talented dudes yeah. in it. But right. yes, he is He's in that group, though, for sure. Them, yeah. Without and question. It was such an – it was just so cool to see. I think we all knew what's at stake. Uh, we, we talked about it li- leading up to it. You know, we, we talked about the idea of hope. Hope's powerful. Yes. And with a loss last night, hope would have been gone completely – it's not anymore. You're two and one in the division. You're three and five overall. Cincinnati, by the way, is zero and three in divisional play right now. Huge, which is a huge hole to yes. dig out of. Obviously, so you sit here at two and one. Um, it was kind of one of those things where, like, if you tell a kid, like, if you do this, you will have success. Yep. But you don't feel they don't see that success right away. In order for them to continue to have buy-in to the process that you're teaching, eventually they have to win. I see this all the time in coaching. It's the same thing here. This is the script for us to win. It's pretty simple. That's why I said earlier this week or last week on the show, the Ravens script is the script. You followed it last night. You followed the script perfectly. You just didn't have the turnover. And then defensively, you amped it up even more to have that type of performance and to have Miles play the way he played, Nick Chubb play the way he played. Jacoby was awesome. Like there was just Amari was stunning. I mean, it was just. It was all of the good that we saw in camp manifesting. Your stars showed up big, and Miles yeah. Garrett showed up big for you in a moment where you really needed him. You know, his tip leads to the first turnover of the game, and that kind of, in some ways, it felt like really set the tone for the Cleveland Browns in this one. And to have just that kind of a performance, to have Jacoby <laughs> Brissett come out here and put up the highest quarterback rating of his career on Monday night football in a must-win situation oh, against gosh. the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> to go 17 to 22 for 278 and a touchdown was just awesome to see and, and you know he has been he was so good and of course he'll say look I got to clean it up I can't I got to just eat the ball on that one we can't have the turnovers and yes that is all true but he was so good you're watching an offensive line that even without Wyatt Teller, you know, Yelda Froholt was great. Ethan Posick, 
He's been has great. Been a revelation for yeah. this team. And there were a couple times I noted on the broadcast where Logan Wilson was really trying to knife in like Patrick Queen did last week. And mm-hmm. Posick would get just enough of him and allow the plays to continue. You got James Hudson coming in with the block of the year, in my right. opinion, down at the goal line, which was something that came about in part because they, on Thursday last week, Petonio doesn't practice. Dunn has to play left guard. Mm-hmm. And so Hudson was being done as the extra offensive lineman. And they watched the way that he pulled in his move. And they said, wait a second, there's, there's something here. Yeah. And then you get that on the goal line and he just annihilated Akeem Davis Gaither, Gaither Davis, and just sprints off. He's flying around on the field. It was great to watch. It was just, it was a party and it was such a relief and a release, I think for this team and for the fans in the city, it was awesome. It was special to be a part of it. It was special to see. And it just shows you again, on one hand, what we're capable of. On the other hand, why it was so frustrating yeah. that we are still 3-5 and five when we know we should be better. We proved it. I mean, you had Joe Buck going into this one. Kurt Warner was on the pregame radio talking about how they thought the Bengals were the clear third-best team in mm-hmm. the AFC, that they're the team that could hang with the Chiefs and, and the Bills. And we smoked them. I mean, yeah. smoked them. Yeah, it was. And it was um... – it's it's you hate to look back, but when you have a win like this and you play the way that you do, you can't help but go. God, it's just one. If you just had one of those ones that were stolen out from under you, whether it was Atlanta, uh, the Chargers, the Jets, any one of those games, the Ravens last week, you win one. You're four and four. Your first place in your division. If you beat Baltimore last week, your first your first yes. in the division right now, and instead you're three and five. So that's the the glass is half empty. The glass is half full. Is this is what you are capable of, and you did it without a ton of key guys. No JOK, no Chief, no Denzel, uh, no Wyatt Teller. Like these are these are humans that are all going to come back at some point, theoretically, and ones that you were going to be counted upon among your ten most important players on the team when the season started. Let me tell you something right now, brother. Your secondary, okay, Greg Newsom. Went out there before the game. I was there three hours before kick. The only person out on the field is Greg Newsom with the trainers and Jeff Howard and Brand Lynch. Goes through his pregame thing. Yes, it's he's good. He's going to play. He's in a lot of discomfort with that oblique, but he's going to play. We don't know how much he's going to play. Yep. You know, maybe he will, you know, he'll kind of rotate in and out as he can go. He went out there, and I'm pretty sure – as I'm trying to look for the snap counts, but I'm pretty sure he played every single snap on defense for us. And if it wasn't every single snap, do we have was, a snap count? It was these? darn near close. I was looking forward to it. I don't think we have one. I can hold on. I'll pull it up on, on my, uh, on the pro football focus. But anyway, he goes out and he competes at a level. They don't even target him. He's getting the point. Now this is a couple games in a row where it's like, yeah, Greg Newsom. Cool. We're not even throwing in your direction. And they did not. The one completion that happened in his area was in a zone coverage and was just a little seven-yard pass, I think, to Hayden Hurst. They don't even throw it really in his direction anymore. Yeah, so he played 42 out of 43 snaps. MJ Emerson, who continues to impress, multiple pass breakups, great great open field tackling. He had uh, the two BBUs. I said he played 42 snaps. How about Sione Takitaki? I mean, leads your team 13 tackles. He's out there running around, getting sacks, forcing fumbles. He was around the ball constantly. Constantly. Yes, not a single missed tackle on his 13 tackles. He had one of the highest grades in the league this week. Deion Jones made some big plays. He got a sack. Greedy Williams, 
fights through illness, plays well, and A.J. Green AJ steps up, Green. as he always Jeez. does. He always steps he up. He is a player in this league, dude. He is a player. He could start for any team he should, I mean, he's, in the league. He's really impressive when he gets in there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is. And and you so you do this, and you this Bengals team was high-flying. They'd won two games in a row. Uh, the praise of them, I think, in, for most people's view was that their offense it was viewed through the prism of their offense and how dangerous it could be this wasn't this isn't false bravado they were top 10 in the league in both offense and defense yes. if you are a team that's top 10 in the league in offense and defense you can win the super bowl they played in the super bowl last year yes this isn't some fraudulent team they're without a really really big weapon but a lot of teams play without weapons and are still able to get it done and it's not just that you won it's that you dominated so this is a blueprint now that you can that you can follow here as this goes along there's a couple of things that i think this that had to be in the back of our guys' heads. Number one, the trade deadline is today. It's in a little less than three hours at 4 o'clock. A lot of rumors about our guys have been out there. So you played with that in the back of your head. You also played in the back of your head of you're headed into a bye week. And how? what kind of mood do you want to be in while oh, you have God, this time away? It. Yes, needed it. You needed this one in a lot of ways, um, let alone what we talked about earlier, just this notion of hope and being able to sell that. Being 3-5 and five and being 2-1 and one in the division – and having three more games before Deshaun Watson gets back, they're tricky, obviously, Miami, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay. But if you can have this blueprint, you just beat a team of that caliber. Smoked. Smoked them. So you can do it. You've played toe-to-toe with the Chargers. You went toe-to-toe with the Ravens. You have proven that you can beat anybody That's right. if you play this way. That's right. And there is a blueprint for it. It's got to be clean. That's why we complain so much and we're so heartbroken on the margin for error. We don't have a big margin for error. But when we play this way, you can beat anybody. No doubt. And and this is something that has to fuel the belief amongst the guys. You know, that, look, we can do this. We can beat anybody that lines up across from us. We're only going to get healthier from here. Hopefully after the bye, you'll have David Ajoku back. Hopefully you'll have Denzel Ward back. Hopefully you'll have JOK back. Yeah. You know, Wyatt Teller. Hopefully you're back at full strength or as close as you can be and that's a nice shot in the arm for a team that – and Clowney hasn't been 100%. I mean, that's readily apparent, but he's out there gutting it out for his teammates. So hopefully with a week off, you know, he can get close to it. But uh, I loved what I saw from this team. You know, how about this? A.J. Green has played in his career 217 snaps of defense. That's basically four games. Mm-hmm. He has four turnovers. Two picks, two fumble recoveries. Tell- yeah. He just finds the ball. Last year, he gave up 27% completions and a quarterback rating of 21 in coverage. Uh, this year, he's giving up a rating of 56 in coverage. He is just one of those guys that every time he gets on the field, he makes plays. And to see these guys step up the way they did, it was awesome. And and it was also nice at one point in the second half when, you know, we knew they could not stop us. Yeah. They hadn't allowed a second-half touchdown all year. We scored on our first three possessions of the second half, all three touchdowns. They had no answer for Amari Cooper. Mm-mm. They were without both of their starting corners at that point, and it was just obvious. There was one play when we threw the touchdown to Cooper at the four. I said, you know, Jim, I don't typically advocate for us throwing the football from the four-yard <laughs> line, but I said if they're going to put Trey Flowers on Amari Cooper man-to-man again, just he will get open. Just yeah, throw right. a ball, next play, boom. Double move them, touchdown. It was awesome. We looked like the big brother of a team that 
everybody in the league would have considered to be significantly better than us yeah. going into that game, especially without the principal players that you mentioned. We have only so many pro bowlers on our roster, and you are without two of them. JOK, you know, has been up and down, but trending up, certainly. And then David Njoku is on his way to a Pro Bowl this year, the way that he has been playing. Yeah, it was nice. I'm I'm thrilled for everybody in that locker room. I'm thrilled for all of you who were there, those of you who watched, those of you that listened. I'm thrilled for us. It's a much, much better Oh, my God. Much better show. So much more fun. You know, would have been brutal the other way. So now you get a little pure joy. Um, Yeah, I love it. And I love the idea of of hope and what is still out there, because otherwise this would have had a very different tone. Rebellions are built on hope, Star Wars. Uh, That's right. What? How did you consume the game? So I had, it, it actually worked out perfectly. I, as you know, I don't like Monday night. I don't like sen- Sunday night. I can do okay when our teams play on Thursday night um, in that it's just a Friday, but I do not like staying up and having to and having to be accountable yep. all the way for a Monday night. So sure. I don't like it traditionally. Okay. Um, but the way that the trick-or-treating worked, we were I was wrapped and done by 8 and back at the house watching. Now, you had standard listen to the, the pregame with you guys of course then you get into the game and i'm watching um on primary view i forgot until halftime which is great buck and aikman are awesome i had forgotten until halftime because they promoted promoted in their halftime that the manning cast thing was going on oh yeah so i had forgot that the, those guys were doing it so you know it's basically what happened as soon as i got home i put it on i think on my cable espn's 1301 sure so i hit 1301 and that was it i didn't i stayed there and that was it the boys were sorting through candy and, and everything was a winner so we get to um it, it gets to halftime and they promote that the manning cast is on and then i found the manning cast in the second half and we were it was comfortable for us at half and i felt very good about the way the game was going that it was going to be a positive outcome for us and you and i were texting so in the second half i watched primarily manning Man. cast view of it um so that was something where i stand by what i've said before though i think if it's a game where you have heavily invested it's they don't really pay attention to the game they have conversations around, around it, it especially yeah. when they have a guest yeah if it's the two of them then it's you're all getting the game all game but if they have a guest then they want to do the bits eli's big on the bits he wants to go back and yeah. and tell me about hey brad paisley why didn't why don't you te- teach peyton how to sing like that type of stuff yeah like no, so it's hard on that but one thing that is for sure is peyton manning big nick chubb guy big yeah. big nick chubb like the more nick chubb just what are we doing Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. Like that's his whole, the whole what operation. What did he think of what we were doing schematically? Was he was he pleased with? He with was not scheme? pleased with the reverse pass. Well, they weren't crazy about that, as you can imagine. Well, the idea of it was fine. Michael Woods was yes. twenty yards behind. He was twenty yards behind. Von Bell. He looked good, by the way. He runs He's around got, very well. Yeah. He looks very good on the I field. I like him. I yeah. agree. Uh, the execution of it wasn't yeah. great. Namari has admitted that he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah, and. Well, he got pressure right up. And Wilson so, shot the gap. It was a good job. Yeah, it, they did. Like he, you know, he. If that pressure's not there, he's probably got it, and it might, it's probably a walk-in score. It was interesting. Eli has a very good handle. I don't know where he ever played in a scheme similar. Who he would have had that was similar, or maybe it was just common. But like a lot of times when we, like they would call out when we would motion somebody, they'd go, "Here comes the trap play for Chubb." Like they would say that 
you know, and every time that's how it would work. Like they either had us really well scouted or they have, or he's played in a similar system at some point. I wasn't sure. Well, he knows when we're running the pin pulls, Very the good. motion down from the receiver is the one who right. sets the edge and then you pin around it. But what we did off of that sometimes as well is we would do that kind of what I call short motion. And then you play fake off of that and he's able to slide across and, yeah. and it's a nice, easy completion for the quarterback and Jacoby, Jacoby he's can awesome. sling the ball, man. Well, it's one of those things too. Like he's playing the best football of his career. It's no secret, and yeah, and it's um, you know he's he's really accurate. He's really smart. He's got a great deal of confidence in Moxie. Yes. Uh, they had a lot of fun when he was trying to draw Logan Wilson offsides and said almost got you fifty five. I don't know if you could hear that in the no. radio booth, but uh. like you could hear it audibly on the telecast where he's trying to get them to draw offsides late in the game, and Jacoby says I almost got you fifty five. Okay, blitz, like send that. the blitz, yeah. send the blitz, and so they thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but again, like there's, it's a very casual participation in the game when it's lopsided. What did they say about the, cause I saw it and Jim and I were talking about it pre-snap. They had run cover zero basically where they bring seven. Mm -hmm. You can't block that four out in coverage four against your, your four yeah. receivers, but you can't block cause your quarterback cannot block for himself. The first time he did a good job, he pump faked and actually threw a dime to Amari that Amari couldn't come up with. But the second time, obviously, that's where it led to the turnover. What were they saying that – did they say anything? Do you remember that, about that particular play? Because it felt That to was me, first half, right? It was – yes. Yeah, so yeah. I wasn't on you them in the on first half. Okay. I went on them in the second half. Gotcha, okay. Um, yeah, so I didn't I, – again, I forgot they but were the reverse on. reverse pass was first half. I saw that. They replayed it. At uh, halftime, okay. which okay. allowed me to see that. Okay. So at halftime, they replayed, like, which I thought was interesting. Like, if you're back, if you're bucking Aikman and everyone's watching yours, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, here's what you're missing on our other channel. <laughs> like, everybody bailed. I know they're getting total viewers is what they're going totally. for. Totally. But it, it, I would be like, geez, really? Maybe they just stick here because maybe we said something great this half. So it, it was awesome, man. It was awesome for everybody. There was little kids trick-or-treating last night out as Nick Chubb, and I saw a bunch of Bengals fans trick-or-treating. I'm like, come on, man. Like, let's so get this sorted he, out. He's leading the league by, I think, like 70 yards. He's got 10 touchdowns rushing. He's the first Brown to have 10 touchdowns rushing through eight games since the great Jim Brown in the 1950s. Yeah. I mean, he is spectacular. It's like it was like 20-some carries less than Henry and Barkley, too, yeah. and he's got more yards than both. I said – uh at one point after, I think it was the one after, give me my remember, after he hurdled uh, yeah. the defender. And I just said to Jim, like, we're just so lucky that we get to watch this guy every single week. There is not a week that goes by yeah. where he doesn't make one run where you just go, wow. Whether it's jumping over somebody, where it's running around somebody, where it's bumping in and then bouncing and then all of a sudden hitting the jets and just being gone. Guys who think they have angles on him and he's so big and they don't. Yeah. He just, he does something sensational. Every single week, watching Amari Cooper run routes is a master class. The mm -hmm. fact that we're able to still scheme him open in a passing game this week where we really had two threats mm -hmm. and DPJ over 50 yards, like it's automatic. That's five yeah, straight write it games. Down. Write it yeah. down. Just an incredible job. Incredible job. Loved it. I, the other thing I would say, too, is, is if you look at this and you look at Kareem Hunt's stats – it's like 11 carries for 40-some, and it's like six catches or five catches for another 30. It's nothing that jumps out to you, and you no, go, oh, wow. This was oh, big wow. for him to get back involved this week. But this is, this is the other part that I was – the point I was going to make. Because of how physical he is, the toll that it takes on a defense, it is now another 16 touches of a battering ram coming at you. So you deal with Nick Chubb for 20-some carries, 
And then you go, oh, thank God, 24 is out. And then you're dealing with 27, who runs like the Tasmanian devil. Like he just flies and hurls into humans. It takes a toll on a defense to have to deal with that type of physicality every single snap. There's no rest. There's no doubt. And even if you watched at the end of the game, I'll tell you what, 30 is a darn good running back. He is, but it's a different – it's not sure, the violence that no, Kareem plays with. Like, that's – there's a – to- He is, for sure. It's different. But it's – I think that the the way that Kareem plays, those two, it just – it would suck to have to tackle those guys oh, all yeah. day long. And look – just would be brutal. It would be a bummer if Kareem does get traded because I do think that in many ways, you know, he's got that intangible. But I think that it's one of those – are people say, oh, they, I don't think the team could handle it. Number one, you certainly can handle in the running back room. Jonas Johnson, when you watch him, he is so smooth. His vision's great. He runs with low pads. He's electric. Jerome Ford looked great in the preseason. But I do think that there's a portion of this locker room that would be happy that Kareem got to be the guy because he is certainly worthy of that and talented enough to do that, and it's not going to happen while Nick Chubb's here. Nick Chubb is – He's gone after this year anyway. Right, so why not give him an opportunity to – earn the kind of contract he wants to earn where he could go make a difference for somebody. And so if, if the opportunity presents itself, I don't think I love Kareem hunt. I love Kareem hunt as a Cleveland Brown, but I also know Kareem hunt is, you know, certainly paid his debt and he deserves an opportunity to be the guy again. Like he's in his prime. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't think it's about if it, whether whether that happens or not, I wouldn't from the, from a production standpoint, Dearness has proven that he's certainly that. What what I what I worry about a little bit with this, well, not a little. What I legitimately worried about is Kareem is a Pied Piper. He's a heart and soul engine type guy. Like he talks all the time. He's an example guy at practice. Like he's a he's that type of dude in the building. And sure. those guys are hard to replace. Yeah, in a football perspective. I mean, again, our best players are really quiet. We've talked about this all season. Uh, by and large, our best players are pretty quiet dudes. So if you take him out of that, that would be something that you'd have to deal with a little bit. But, yeah, on the field, Dearness is proven sure. to be great. Yeah, I'll also absolutely. tell you this. The, the Browns, just by being around in the locker room yesterday after the game, talking to some people, they got a guy who is a an absolute alpha leader in Deion Jones. They all call him Debo. Good. Is, they, Had to have him. They He is. I think he's that. He's feels like Newsom is that. It feels like Newsom, MJ Emerson's MJ. that. Like. There's some kids that are they're, – they're guys that are that. Um, One other note, and, and I don't know if I mentioned this out, on the, and maybe I did. You could be like, you already said this. Yeah. Did I talk about John Johnson wearing the green dot? No. Uh-uh. Okay, so John Johnson wore the green dot this week, and in talking to the guys on the defense, it was – they loved it. He was so good in his communication, so good in not only giving the play, but getting it, make, giving everybody like the little bit of notes that they need on the play, and there felt – like the defense felt there was a cohesion there. Mm-hmm in the calls that we haven't seen, obviously, since Anthony Walker was doing it. And so I thought that was very helpful, and he took on a little bit of a leadership role. I thought he was flying around. I thought Grant flew around. Yeah, and Grant's Grant's one of the best run-defending safeties in the league, and I think ideally, if the Browns had to do it over again, you would want to pair him with a true center fielder, you know, like Marcus yeah, Williams. right, right. And Marcus Williams, if you remember the year that we signed John Johnson, got franchised by New Orleans. He ends up in Baltimore now where he was very good, three picks early on in the season. We have two guys that are kind of both – closer to the ball than true center fielders, but they're figuring out how to take advantage of that and make it work for maximum effect. And I think these last two weeks, you've seen a, a, a defense that is certainly looking good. Speaking of trending up, trending up 
With yesterday's win, Tito's Handmade Vodka, proud to support the Cleveland Browns for the Tito's Victory Vodka program. $1,000 donation to the Cleveland Animal Protective League, helping to foster compassion and end animal suffering. Thank you, Look Tito's. And remember, please enjoy Tito's Handmade Vodka responsibly. Tarf. Everybody's back. What are you getting a little win? Everybody, it's good to uh, see everybody again. Tarv was fired up, too, because he uh, he said he, he had told the guys all week, if you get close to Burrow in the pocket. Yeah. A lot of people go up at the shoulder. Yeah. Because Burrow always holds the ball by his he hip. He does, yeah. So don't go for his shoulder. Go to the hip. And Taki, when he got in there, where did he go? With the hip. Right at the hip. And so yeah. Tarv was quite pleased. Like, every now and then I tell him, <laughs> I do know a little something, guys. <laughs> Hey, Browns fans, you can enter for a chance to win season tickets for the 2023 season from Sugardale and your local Meyer. Two lucky fans will have a chance to compete on the field during halftime in the November 27th game for the ultimate prize. Text Browns to 55678 to enter today. The Hoff coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on a Victory Tuesday edition on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Browns win it here tonight, their third win of the year, and they go to three and five on the season, and they hit the bye week. And I know the trade deadline is tomorrow, and it was so much clearer if the Browns had lost here tonight. What would happen? Is Kareem Hunt coming back? Is he going to be dealt away? What's on the table? What will the Browns do? On this night, they would win, and they would win decisively. Final score from First Energy Stadium, the Browns 32 and the Bengals 13. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams. You transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like experience. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are expert factory trained installers. You give them a call now. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects are all made in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Tub to shower conversions as well. Superior products with expert installers only at the Bath Authority. And now welcome back into a Victory Tuesday presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Time to head out on the hotline and our good buddy, the Hoff joining us. The Hoff. How'd you take this one in, Hoff? Hey, man, just as expected. I know everyone's calling in this morning saying, oh, I didn't think the Browns had a chance. Well, I did. I knew watching this matchup that it was time for the Browns to play up to their potential and put away an opponent that they are better than. I know it's hard to imagine, but without Jamar Chase, the Browns are a better team than the Cincinnati Bengals. And I was so proud of those guys for them to be able to sort of get – the monkey off their back a little bit and play their best game of the season top to bottom. We ran the football when we needed to defense stepped up. We were able to rush the passer. You did all the things that we expected to be able to do going into the season last night, Monday night football, the entire nation was watching. It's got to feel good feeling being a Brown fan to wake up this morning. Uh, It feels glorious half. And did you, did you watch the Manning cast or did you watch Buck and Aikman? I watched Buck and Aikman. I, I, I love watching the Manning cast, but every time I try to watch that with my wife, she's like, they're so annoying. I, I don't want to hear them talk. I just want to watch the game. My so, wife says the same. She's uh, not for it either. I don't own the remote. Yeah. yeah, I don't own the remote in my house, so I, I relegate that one to the to come, wifey. Yes. So yeah. when you are a tackle, because I want to I get your perspective on this, it was very clear to me 
that Jonah Williams, even in his body language, watching him, knew that he he was defeated before he even we snapped the ball once by yeah. Miles Garrett. How number one, I know that never happened to you, but how does somebody deal with that? And it almost becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because he's go, I'm going to go on the edge, I'm going to go on the edge, and then watch this spin move, bam, sack. It was a masterclass in just one-on-one domination, and there was nowhere for him to hide. It was wild to watch. So I talked with Miles Garrett after the game, and I was just like, hey, man, your ability to time up the snap count, your get-off, PFF said it's the best in the NFL by you know statistical analysis this season. <laughs> but just watching with the eye test, he is far and away the best that I've seen since going against a guy like Aaron Donald on the inside. Uh, and what happens is when he gets – that great get off on the snap, he gets ahead of where the tackle is, right? So now as an offensive tackle, I'm trying to block miles and I feel like he's running faster than I am and he's getting beyond me. So what I have to do is I have to speed up my set. And naturally what happens then is I start to turn my shoulders to the sideline, which then opens myself up for an inside move. And miles has done such a fantastic job working on that spin move, which is not something that he had coming into the NFL. He's always had that dip but he didn't really have a very strong inside spin until recent years. And I told him, I was like, it, it reminds me of the nightmares I had going against Dwight Freeney watching you out there because <laughs> you have that get off, you get ahead of the tackle, he opens his shoulders, and then you're so quick to spin back inside. It's such a great and devastating combination. And for him to be able to see it over and over again uh, last night was, was really fun for everybody because of the productivity, but also just to see it him hit Joe Burrow because when you get – up the field, you're actually forcing that quarterback to step up in the pocket, which is right where you want him to be when you spin back to the inside. But he said to me, he goes, yeah, they didn't switch up the snap count. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they just kept going on one. So I just kept jumping it. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for poor Jonah Williams and for Joe Burrow. But, like, in the, at the same point, I know they're young guys, but somebody in that huddle has got to step up and say, hey, bro, I don't really care what's going on with the shifts and the motions. That's nobody's problem if I can't block this dude if we don't go on a different snap count. I mean, that is like treason against your brothers to not go on anything but one. It's just amazing when I heard that. It's a stunning revelation. Yeah, I've never heard that. Don't tell anybody in Cincinnati. Hopefully this radio broadcast doesn't go outside of the No one's listening, Hoff. Because we don't want them to change it up. I just couldn't believe it when I heard that. That's wild. It's hard to wrap your head around that they wouldn't do something to to change that up. Right? Just one time. Yeah. Yeah. Just throw one. it in. Just change it up one. That's all you got to do. Hoff, what is it about this matchup? You, you mentioned no Jamar Chase for them. We were without a bunch of guys, too. What is it about this matchup that this Browns team t- loves so much? Because Burrow's never beaten us, which is strange because he's beaten about everybody else. Yeah, it is a little bit strange because there's not nothing necessarily that you can say right off the bat other than even going back to when I was playing, we weren't very good against anybody really but it just always seemed like we played the Bengals tough it seemed like we just had more want to which is obviously something that's you know kind of uh phony chalkboard talk for old school coaches but when you turn on the film last night when you were watching that game the Browns players just wanted it more and I, I don't know if it's just a matter of the circumstances with this potentially being Kareem Hunt's last game and the Browns feeling like the season was on the line and all of a sudden the coaching staff's feeling the heat and I think it was a combination of a lot of things, but you know, when you do break down the matchup a little bit, what do the Browns do really well? They run the ball, right? They add extra linemen, especially with Njoku being out. 
how many times when you're in the stadium, Z, did you hear the refs announce uh, number 65 reporting is eligible, you know, because they just kept throwing big bodies and running the football. It always seems like the Bengals, even back to when I was there, like they would give up. You could really hit them in the mouth. And that's kind of been their, their MO for a long time. And, and they still don't do a very good job stopping the run. And, and the, but the only thing the defense isn't good at, also, in addition to stopping the run, is they're not very good against play action. And that just happens to be what the Browns have been really good at for, like, the last decade. By the way, Huff, yes, Michael Dunn was, I think, over 20 snaps in this game. He was kind of really playing tight end at times in the motions they were using yeah. and when, with being without David Njoku. But I want to go to the two-point conversion. First play this year where there have been eight offensive linemen on the field for a single snap. And I'll tell you what, I think we've uncovered something here. I think if we ever want to do some Patrick Ricard stuff with James Hudson, I'm all for it. <laughs> he comes down the line, and he absolutely annihilated Akeem Gaither-Davis, Davis Gaither. And it was it was stunning to watch. And his reaction to that, the jubilation on from him, his teammates, did you ever get to go in a basically a jet motion like that, Huff, and then just plow somebody? I mean, it had to be so fun for James Hudson. You know, the first thing I thought of is I think last year Kyle Shanahan did that with Trent Williams. Yep. yep. With Trent uh, Williams. Pretty similar. Trent Williams. Yeah. Yep. Who, I love my man, James Hudson, and I'm so excited to see the player he's turning into. But I'm not sure if he's ever going to be Trent Williams' size and speed. I mean, Trent's 330. He runs like a 47. And by the way, oh, he beat Deshaun Jackson in a 10 yard sprint when they were both with the Redskins way back in the day. So the guy's pretty explosive. And pretty strong, and he just absolutely devastated somebody. Uh, I forget what game it was, but you know what happened? They tried to run that play again. Hey, those dudes on defense weren't going to let them get fooled twice because the next time that happened, the guy just cut Trent right in the hole. And that's one of the reasons I was never too excited about the tackle traps or those plays where you had to pull around and you, or go in motion and you you know you kind of catch somebody by surprise and you smoke them the first time. Well hey, they're going to be ready the next time, and they're taking those knees out. And you, as a tackle, you kind of need those knees in the long term. So once is great, two times, too many times back to the well. Trent Williams, if you remember, they ran that play successfully a couple times, I feel like. And then in the playoffs, his counter was going to be against the Rams where he was going to fake that they were running the outside, and he gave yep. it inside to use check, and the Rams stopped it. And I think Kyle's brain, like, imploded because he had been saving that play. <laughs> yeah. And he thought it was going to work, and then it didn't work. That's right. And I he, remember his look on his face. He couldn't even call a play after that. He was like, it blew his mind. He was like fried. He's like, we've set this up for weeks with Trent Williams running that right. pulling motion. Yeah. And then now this time we're going to go backside with check. There's no way they can prepare for it. And they tackled him, and that was the end of the game for the Niners. So I guess it's dangerous, but James Hudson was fired up yesterday. I actually saw him in the locker room right now, and I go, I watched that block, and I did with Gibbe about ten times. It's better every time you watch it. So it really is so yeah. great. OBM, uh, go ahead, Huff. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I love what James Hudson's bringing to the offensive line. Like he's offensive linemen in general are pretty like even keel, steady guys, and, and I think James is also. But he brings an emotion and a passion to that unit that I think sometimes it's missing a little bit. I think that's one of the things that Jed needs to get better at is just playing with a little emotion, a little passion, not where you're out of control, uh, but just having that next gear that allows you to have enough focus and energy to be able to go out and play at your best every single play, which is what takes to be great as an offensive lineman. And I, I see that in James, and I can see that infectiousness of his energy 
within that whole offensive line unit when he comes in there, the passion that he plays with, the joy he plays with. And it reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt. And, and that's one of the reasons I really hope that Kareem doesn't get traded because he brings an energy that I think every unit needs that. It doesn't always have to be the guy who's the starter or the best player, but I think you just got to have a little bit of that. I think James brings that to the offensive line. It's been so fun to watch him out there when he has got those opportunities as a starter for Jack and now coming in with these little special roles. It's just cool. It is, and there there is some juice to it. There's some juice to this season now that you get this win as well, and we're going to get into that coming up next. OBM, the official printer partner of the Cleveland Browns, so you depend on your Browns to win. You also depend on OBM. They can tackle any size office. The number is 216-485-2000, or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. You're listening to the Hoff on the Twisted Tea hotline. They're nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and Twisted Tea. Tastes just like real iced tea. You know why? Because it is. It's made with real brewed tea. Cool, refreshing, 5% kick of alcohol. It's thirst down and gold. Twisted tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted. Game balls. By the way, a lot going on in the NFL at the trade deadline. Yes. So far, nothing with us. We'll get you updated on all of that. We continue with Joe Thomas. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. First and 10 at the Browns 45-yard line. 8-0 Cleveland. Blitz coming up the gut. Here they come after Burrow. And he got hit. Ball is out. Ball is loose. Bengals mix and dives on it. All the way back at the 46-yard line. Although the Browns are saying they got it. Hang on. Cleveland ball. Tommy Togiai comes out of the pile with the ball. Clowney got in there. Ripped on Mixon. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Buy or sell a home with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services. Always a winning strategy. If you plan to make a move this season, they're going to have you covered at Howard Hanna. Every day is game day. Visit howardhanna.com slash go Browns today. Uh, Hoff, I wanted to talk to you about the notion of hope. There was a lot in this one. Trade deadline, and there's a lot we'll get to in a second on that. A little more than two hours. Uh, are you buyers? Are you are you sellers? Where, where are you in that side of things? The next thing that that's part of this, though, too, is the hope of your season and to be sitting there as a two and six football team versus a three and five football team. It's just one game, but it's a lot more than that. It's so much more than that. And it's a division win. It, it gives you an opportunity to come out of here and get on a little bit of a run, maybe that yep. gets you right back into the mix. And certainly think that you can go down to Miami and beat them. But Hoff, what does that do for a locker room to get a win like this? Does it does it instill the belief that yes, we can do this when we play the way we need to play? We can beat anybody because we just dominated a team that people think is certainly it was in every power poll, right? One of the top six teams in the NFL. Yeah, it builds that confidence because I think this this team and in general as elite NFL athletes, you have a lot of natural confidence. But after losing three, four games in a row, all of a sudden you're starting to let the doubt creep in, right? The things that the people on the outside are saying about you and about your team, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, at the beginning, you're totally pushing that to the side and saying, there's no way I believe in myself. After a while, you start believing a little bit of it, and it starts affecting how you play and affecting what you think about yourself. But 
You go out on national television when it's a standalone game, Monday night football, that's the only game in town. There's no other college games. There's no other pro games. And this is all anybody's thinking about. And you go and play the type of game you did. And you answer the questions that have really popped up at the beginning part of this season that you didn't expect to be there, namely about the defense, right? We thought this was going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they really stunk, especially at the beginning of the season. Now they've been playing better. But to go into, what, the fourth quarter with a shutout against the Bengals, uh, against Joe Burrow, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I know he was out. He was without Jamar Chase, but they still got a ton of weapons. I think that builds a lot of confidence in what Joe Woods is asking him to do. And I think the sense of urgency that the defense had going into this game to p- play up to their potential was real. And I don't think that was a sense of urgency that they had at the beginning of the season. And I think Joe Woods was putting him in the positions to succeed. But the players, I think, a little bit were maybe reading their p- press clippings a little bit and not putting in the level of focus that you need to be able to play at a high level and win games like they did on Monday Night Football. And so it was so good to see that the coaching points that were given during the week were taken to the field, and they were able to match what the offense did, which is play one of their best games and also play one of the best games on defense. And and I think now that they see what they can be, but also what level of preparation and focus it takes to be there – I'm hoping that they can continue to roll this through the toughest stretch of their season, which is coming up right now. Half, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Remember, it was a couple of weeks ago prior to the Baltimore game where the defense kind of called, some of the guys on the defense called each other out, said we're not, the preparation isn't what it needs to be. And well, since then, we've turned in our best two defensive performances. And I talked with MJ Emerson today, and uh, he told me, I said, because I said, what's the difference? What's changed? And he said the preparation, he said, everybody challenged each other, watch more film. They have a session where they all come in on Fridays and try to, like, talk about what they've seen in their film studies from formations, from tendencies, and, and put it all together and get everybody discussing it. And, and sometimes I think uh, we talked about they don't you don't understand that it's the lifestyle it needs to be fully to be great until, you know, you're underachieving significantly and drawing everybody's ire. But it sounds like that message has been heard and, and they're challenging each other. MJ Emerson said, you know, I was, I'm trying to make sure every day I watch more film than the day before. And, and that's kind of his approach to it. So uh, hopefully that is a good thing. Yeah. I think the conversation we were having about James Hudson and Kareem Hunt kind of being the energizer bunny, the tone setters in their room, even though maybe they weren't the number one guy or the star in that room. I feel like MJ, and maybe I want to hear your guys' perspective. Nathan, I know you've been on him for a long time, but I feel like he's that guy almost in the defensive secondary where, you know, he's young, he's going to make some mistakes, but everything he's going to do, if it's a mistake, it's done 100 miles an hour. He's that physical corner. He's up in your face. He enjoys when the other team tries to challenge him. It brings out the best in him. And I definitely see him kind of developing into one of those leaders in the secondary and I think, I mean, he certainly has already proven to be a steal in the third round, but it's fun watching how his impact as an emotional leader is being felt on that defensive side of the football. It's him and it's Greg Newsom. And I'd say even Greg Newsom, maybe even above MJ Bingo. in terms of his leadership. And because he's a little more vocal, I think, at this point right now than, than an MJ Emerson. But, you know, Greg yesterday, and this is the kind of stuff that, you know, people don't notice, so I'll bring light to it. You know, I was saying earlier on the show, Hoff, I was there three hours four. He's working out with the trainers. He's got an oblique injury that, that was aggravated in practice. He was in a lot of pain. They didn't know how much he was going to play, you know, 
they knew he'd play, but it was going to be sparingly. They were going to try to use him situationally. Well, he went out there and played every single defensive snap because that's the kind of guy. And I asked him, I said, I thought you were after the game. I go, I thought you were going to only play, you know, a little bit. And he goes, and I said, and then you go out there and you didn't come off the field. He goes, I couldn't come off the field. Like I had to be out there. And I, that to me, that's the kind of guy that has an opportunity, I think, to show a lot of, even though he's a young guy himself, show these guys the way. And I think the combination of him and MJ in that room is very, very, very exciting. And they both do it and care deeply about competing. Look, this is, Hoff, you go back to a couple of weeks ago when John Johnson and you think about Batonio, yeah. I mean, that's this is that manifesting. And that's why I thought, that this was this win was so important, right? Because there's some habits that had changed. This was a clean game out of us, something that we hadn't played previous to that. So it was really critical that you get a result. Yep. It's just like with anything. If you do all these right things, you make these improvements, you have to see results in it. Otherwise, you question everything. So to me, this was as as disappointing or as, as brutal as like the Patriots' loss was, this was that the other way for me, Hoff. Yeah, I agree, because – the one win in the win column, that's huge, obviously, because of the division race and where you want to put yourself within the next three weeks when Deshaun comes back uh, for that Houston game. I mean, they're right in there. I know they're two games behind, but there's a lot of games in the AFC North that are left to be played, and there's no way that anybody should be saying anything but, hey, we can still win this division and we can make the playoffs and everything we want is still right there. Um, and so I, I think for this game, though, like I mentioned, it's more than just the one win because of the changes that have happened in that building from the preparation and focus standpoint in the last couple of weeks to be able to see the stark difference of, hey, when we let this become who we are in our preparation and our focus and the only thing that matters in our life, this is the result we get. When we take a seriousness level of this is college football, this is what I do in my spare time, these are the results we get and this is how it feels. And oh, by the way, we're willing to have the sacrifice we have to make during the week and on Sundays to feel like we do Sunday night and then Monday and then Tuesday before we get back to work on Wednesday because it feels so good. And by the way, it's our job. This is the expectations. This is the potential. This is what we can yep. be. And so I think having that, that pelt on the wall now that they can put up there after this game and say, hey, that extra preparation that you guys put in, that little extra hour, it really didn't cost you much in the grand scheme of things but it gave you a lot. Look where we are. Look where we're headed. Look how good that one felt. Let's go get another one. Yeah. Rumpke Waste Recycling family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Uh, there's a lot to reset here on a Victory Tuesday presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Some big-time deals being done in the National Football League, none involving us yet. We will get to that here in the second hour. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hewlett will snap it back. It is back. The Horkus puts it down. York into it. End over end. That kick is up. And the kick is good. He got it. And the Browns go roaring, and I mean roaring, into their locker room. They take an 11-0 lead into the break. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look and value of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors. Ranging in every architectural style, over 50 colors. Save thousands this month during Renew Home Exteriors' end-of-the-year siding sale. 24 months, no payments, no interest. Take advantage of of end-of-the-year deals before January 1 price hikes. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices. With Renew Home Exteriors, visit RenewEstimate.com. We continue with the Hoff here on Cleveland Browns Daily on a Victory Tuesday edition of the program. Let's get everybody updated on what's happened today in the NFL from a trade standpoint because there's been a lot. Yeah. We had the Roquan Smith deal yesterday Yesterday, to the Ravens, and then this morning we've had TJ Hawkinson dealt from the Lions to the – I almost said the Packers. That would actually make probably some sense. Instead, it goes to Minnesota, so they look – loaded for bear that they're adding to that and then we did have one in the division today as clay chase claypool here in the last hour uh is traded for a second round pick to chicago and it's the bears second round correct it is not the pick they just got from the ravens so this will be a likely a decent high first round pick uh that will go to chicago from pittsburgh uh, Hoff, when you hear – first of all, there's a lot happening. We've already had McCaffrey. We've had Robert Quinn. We've had a ton of deals, and it sounds like there could be even more. I love this. Uh, what do you make of some of these deals that have taken place already around the league? Well, I think it's good. It is a big reflection of kind of what people think about the NFL today. It's a barbell league, and what I mean by that is if you have a quarterback and you've got a good team put together, you should put your resources in that basket because you can win a championship. And if you don't – you better be saving your resources for the future because being eight and nine and seven and 10, all that does is just make you stuck in purgatory forever. Because when you're not good enough at quarterback to be able to go win a championship, you might as well be bad enough to go find one in the draft. Because if you're drafting in the middle or in the late in the first round, you're going to be toast and you'll never be able to get out of that purgatory of being in the middle. And so I like these teams that realize, Hey, we got a chance. Let's make a run. Let's go find the players trade away those future draft picks and let's go do it. And if you're a team like the bears and you're saying, look, we're not going to be able to do it for a couple of years. Lay, let's trade some of these assets we have, try to get some draft picks and try to win in the future rather than just trying to win enough to save the quarterback or save the, uh, the head coach and the coordinators jobs, which that's what the NFL was for a long time. When I got there, I was like, Hey, we just got to get to 500. We can save the job. We yeah. can put asses in seats. And, uh, you know, everyone's happy, but I think it's good that fans are not happy anymore. They're not satisfied with 500. They want to win championships. So that's great. I think that just ups the competitiveness and the interest in every single game. The idea, and it sucks that the Steelers are going to benefit from this, but they did, that they are getting the Bears' second-round pick for Chase Claypool. For a year and a half of Chase Claypool. A year and a half of Chase Claypool. And we gave a fifth for Amari Cooper to Dallas. Are you kidding me? It's wild. And, Hoff, I mean, another master class last night. I, I was just saying repeatedly, once they lost Chidobe Awuzie, Trey Flowers, Dax Hill, they were just no match. It was it almost was unfair. It was like Madden. You had a one-on-one where your guy was a 99 and the corner you are playing was a 62, and you were just going to do whatever you wanted, and, and that's what happened. And again, he has been just sensational. He scored, by the way, in all five games at First Energy Stadium and in eight straight home games dating back to his time with Dallas. So Amari Cooper loves the home cooking. we got to figure out a way to, to trick him on the road into thinking he's at going to First Energy Stadium somehow. By the way, 
uh, everything I just said about the Bears made sense with the Roquan Smith trade until you mentioned that they just traded for Chase Claypool. That makes no <laughs> sense to me, especially the compensation. Uh, I was not up to speed coming into the show that Chase Claypool just got traded. For a second round pick, and he's only got a year and a half. What does that do? Like that makes yes, and it's early their second, second round, round pick. pick off. Like Pittsburgh right. benefits tremendously, like and they get rid of the knucklehead. 34. Oh my God, it's going to be a great pick. And then I, my guess is, from Chicago's perspective, they're like, we have to give him something to throw to, because he's looked good the last couple of weeks. He yep. looks like the best yep. quarterback in the class right now, and he's got nothing. So maybe they and this will be the best quarterback that you know that he's played with too, from Claypool's standpoint. Ben no is so wounded. So maybe there's maybe there's that, but it's I, I got to imagine where you are. People are going, are we going to do anything here to Packers or not? What is there nothing? They're just yeah, going to sit I mean, back on this. There's so much frustration, and I almost feel like it's moved into the apathy world because the Packers have just been so inept at bringing in receivers for so long and making moves that you'd assume you want to do when you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That I think people are just uh, reserve. Uh, I can't think of the word. Resigned. Resolved, reserved, resigned. That's the one. Yes, resigned. I resigned. Big they resigned mean. to the fact that the Packers just aren't going to make any moves and they're just happy being mediocre. And I, it's a frustration for me. I'm not even a Packer fan anymore, but I'm like, dude, I want to see Aaron Rodgers have a chance to be at his best and do fabulous things in the last couple of years of his career rather than throw into a bunch of no-name bums that they've just drafted and that they can't run the right routes that Aaron Rodgers is saying we need to bench these guys and put somebody else in there I just don't understand why they wouldn't make an effort they paid Aaron Rodgers in the offseason so let's make an effort to give them a few receivers that give us an opportunity to go be great I think what people are realizing that when the Vikings traded Stephon Diggs and then drafted Justin Jefferson that's a lot easier said than done. That's a unicorn. That was a one of one that <laughs> yes. you traded a superstar and drafted, drafted a superstar. A superstar. Immediately. Come on, that doesn't happen. But I think the Packers thought, okay, we're going to replace Devontae Adams yeah. in this draft. We got Aaron Rodgers. He's going to make everybody better. I think that the Titans thought, sure, we'll let A.J. Brown go. We're just going to draft Traylon Brooks. Has Traylon Brooks caught a pass? This I, I don't know anything that he's in. Now they're winning, but not certainly. I know he was hurt, but I don't. They yeah, haven't done nothing. Not with it, him. It just isn't that easy to just go out and to replace these guys that are truly game changers. And I think that they overestimate that. I also think ayahuasca. And I also think that Aaron Rodgers and half are people ta- saying this at all in Wisconsin. It just feels like when I watch him, he's kind of being like, to heck with it. You're going to make me play these guys. I'm just going to check the ball down. I don't really care. I'm bored. You bored. Yeah, you're right. I think one of the things that we hear people talking about is that Aaron Rodgers is worried about protecting his completion percentage and his uh, touchdown interception ratio. Because I think it's one of the best all time. And so he's worried about throwing picks. And so he's like, well, if you don't give me the receivers – then I'm just going to check it down. Just keep completing these three, four, five-yard passes. I don't really care if we win or not. But I'm not putting my statistical history, my Hall of Fame resume, on the line for this team, which, man, talk about a bad leader. Talk about somebody that you don't want in your role as the most important person in your franchise who basically just said, hey, I give up on all you guys, and I'm just going to protect me moving forward. So – it's that's the whole thing is, and I I think what what's what's happened in the league. There's a couple of things. Hoff brings up the great point of I think fans, front offices, everybody, they're they're more open to 
it's the Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. Yep. There there used to be this time where there was constantly this worry of trying to, hey, let's make the playoffs. Well, nobody wants to do that anymore. They want to win the Super Bowl. So you see a team like Minnesota, and you say, you know what? If we get Cousins enough weapons in an NFC that is wide open, yep. I mean, Philly has played nobody. They're really good. I don't want to take anything away from them. They've played absolutely nobody so far in the schedule. They don't play anybody for the next four weeks either. They're very likely going to be 11-0. and You saw what the 49ers did with McCaffrey. There are teams looking around the NFC going, hey, we might, us two, we might be a player two away. And I think that's what's leading this. I think you're yeah. seeing a team like Baltimore with Roquan Smith saying, hey, we've got Lamar under deal right now. The Bills and the Chiefs are there. we got to, we got to load it up. What do we need to beat these teams? And you're seeing it, and you're seeing people more open to do it. I love it, Hoff. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's exciting. I think the next couple hours are going to be really fun. Yeah, I, I think it's so. amazing. It's great for the sport. It gets us as fans to be locked in and glued in on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and it's the way it should be. Like The expectations for a team shouldn't be just to be average or just be good enough to sell tickets and keep people interested. Like We're fans. We want to win a championship. I'm not happy with being 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight or just making the playoffs. Trust me, it's great going from where we were to winning a playoff game a couple of years ago, but you play to win the game, guys. We want a Super yep. Bowl in Cleveland. Yep. That's why you do it. So if you can't win a Super Bowl, then trade away some dudes and find a way to win a Super Bowl next year or the following year. Sources, according to Ian Rappaport, Steelers aren't done finalizing a trade that will bring them commanders, cornerback Will Jackson the third. some help for their defense. Their corners have been dreadful this year. Interesting that, that, that they're making a buy. I don't think it's going to be expensive. There was the word earlier today that Jackson was going to be cut if there wasn't a trade suitor found, found for him. So I can't imagine the price tag will be high there, but we've got another trade right there. Josina Anderson on the Claypool deal. Uh, last week, from what I'm hearing, been hearing over the last week, the Steelers moved on from what they felt was a distraction behind the scenes in Claypool. It's been on the table for at least two weeks, and they were happy to be able to unload him. They got an absolute haul for a guy that, Hasn't been all that impressive, to be perfectly honest with I you. I don't understand the Chicago's. I understand the thinking. Like, you want to get him fields. help. I get it. But, jeez, that's a big give. It's a big give. Draft him. You could have drafted two second-round receivers next year. Yeah. And had him for four years. Yeah. And no, that, it's wild. It's, it's That's what's that thing to me is. That is – that's crazy. I, I kind of like this trade deadline. Hoff, speaking of you and the trade deadline, do you recall your dalliance with that? Was that something where you had a lot of time to contemplate it, or was it something brought to you kind of in the 11th hour? Do you want to go to Denver? How did that kind of go down? And as a player, you were given the respect ultimately. You had the opportunity to say yay or nay. But how does that kind of go down from a player's perspective, and, and was your situation unique in that regard? I think as a player, because you're so dialed into the busyness of the season that you don't really have a time to think about the whole trade deadline stuff all that much, but you do meet with the media almost every day. And when your name is constantly swirling with trade rumors, you're going to get asked about it, right? Cause that's the big yep. story, especially during the week for an offensive lineman. So getting asked about it, then you have to think about it, how you're going to respond. And um, then of course, I would have conversations with my agent like, hey, if I'm getting asked on a Tuesday, like, what do you think about, you know, the rumors are that Denver's offered this or that. And then I would I would ask my agent and be like, hey, can you find out, like, what the real story is? What's the real scoop? Like, is Denver really interested? What have they really offered? Like, what's going on? Should I be worried about this or is this not going to happen? You know, and for the most part, he did a good job of just kind of putting it off my plate and saying, hey, don't worry about it. 
it'll take care of itself. And if it happens, it happens. It's a great situation. It's not like they're trying to unload you to uh, purgatory because they're pissed off at you. If anything, they're holding on to you because they love you and they, they don't want to give you up. Um, and even if you poop on Ray Farmer's desk, like Peyton Manning wanted you to, they're probably not going to get rid of you because <laughs> they really enjoy you having you around and they want you to be part of the future. Um, so it's good to have that feeling of another team flirting with you, especially when they are, you know, talking about trading some significant draft capital. But I think in the end, it, having the trade deadline right now where it is, is good for the player because it is a big distraction. Like I can't imagine for a guy like Kareem Hunt to week in and week out for the last several weeks, just have that on his mind. Like, where am I going to be? And for a guy like me that I, I was never cut or traded and I played my whole career in Cleveland, never had to worry about any of that stuff. Like the times that it was on my mind briefly, like it was a lot to handle emotionally, just wondering, Hey, am I going to be suited up in a Broncos helmet next week? Am I going to have to move my whole family and my pregnant wife? Like the Denver, do we have to buy a house? Like, all those things, when you're a single guy, it's probably not a big deal. But when you have a family and this affects all of them, like it becomes something that weighs on you heavily, especially as, as the husband, the father in the house who makes a lot of those decisions typically. I'm we're, We are thrilled that that never happened, that you only played here. Yeah. But I would have also yeah. have loved to have heard the stories of your big brain and Peyton Manning's together. big brain together yeah. talking ball. <laughs> like that would have been a stunning thing to hear. His approach to quarterback and your approach to tackle would have been amazing. He would have been – the Manning cast would have been Peyton, Eli, and the Hoff had you gone to Denver. I, <laughs> I think that's probably true. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that part of it. I love it. Great. I love it. Yeah, it would have Great been talking to I mean, you, brother. Just, just playing with him at the Pro Bowl. Yeah, thanks. Just, just playing oh, with no, Peyton at the Pro Bowl was fun. Just picking his brain, hearing him talk, seeing the defense, like – that, that was one of the benefits of playing with all those quarterbacks is you get to play with guys like Josh McCown and Brian Hoyer who've played a lot of different places and you can kind of pick up on what they're uh, thinking about and how they see the defense. But Peyton's a different level. Uh, that would have been a different <laughs> level of enjoyment just sitting in those meetings. So thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, the hop. Great hop. We love you, brother. The Joe Thomas Hour right here on Cleveland what Browns Daily. What a kind treat of- indeed. It was like the meat between an opening segment bomb bun, and then now we're going to close it with a bun, and the Hoff is, Hoff is in a the middle. juicy burger. He's all the meat. Cleveland Browns fans skip the chore of laundry. Enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaners offering 30% off dry cleaning for the month of October. Be entered to win four VIP Browns tickets to an upcoming home game. Just mention promo code BROWNS. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the closest location to you. Some exclusions may apply. Coach at the podium coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk, serious lawyers, serious injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Great chatting with the Hoff. Lots going around in NFL circles. Um, Hoff brought this up when we were discussing like the trade deadline and some of the deals that have happened. We mentioned the Hawkinson deal already happened. He goes to Minnesota. They're yep. loaded for it. Uh, the NFC, I think, you know, clearly them, the Packer or the uh, 49ers, uh, those teams are saying, hey, we want to, we're going to go chase Philly and, and go make a run at this thing. And um, the Vikings got, Irv Smith went on IR, by the way. Did you see yeah. That? So. so the Hawkinson's comes in and, and he's going to be, I think, very productive in that offense.
very familiar. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Detroit's doing because I would have thought that he would want to be part of the structure there going forward. That they would want him to be. That they I mean, would want him. career year. Yeah, that you would want to build around him and some of DeAndre Swift and some of their talent, uh, Jamison Williams, Amron St. Brown, but not. So they go in a different way there. Um, and then the, the theft of the Steelers. I mean, they, it's a heck of a steal. They get an early second-round pick for Chase Claypool. Um, I understand the Bears' perspective. You want to give Justin Fields somebody to throw to. Sure. And he's a big target. They don't have anybody like it. Um, so I understand that. But it's a good get back for Pittsburgh. I also think Pittsburgh's wrapping their head around the fact that they are in rebuild. They never wanted to say it out loud, but that's where they are. That's where they are with those quarterbacks. Um, I would imagine everything's on the table for them. If you know new general manager there, I think you rethink everything. And, and try, if there's other guys who can be moved, you move them. That's probably the way that this whole thing goes. Uh, in terms of what our thinking is, let's go to the podium. Here's Kevin Stefanski. And uh, acknowledge the, the very tragic passing of Adam Zimmer. Uh, Adam was uh, somebody that I got to work with um, together in Minnesota. Uh, just a tragic, tragic uh, situation there. So my thoughts, my prayers are with the Zimmer family. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, really, really good person, really good coach. So just a, uh, tough news uh, for everybody um <clears throat> with the game you know I we talked about it last night and, and I, or I guess it was maybe close to this morning but um really some great efforts uh, by the guys and, and emphasis on the word effort I thought the guys were flying around playing for each other picking each other up off the ground pushing each other um and 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 it was just it, it was a a a night where kind of offense, defense, special teams playing complimentary ball at times. So never perfect, uh, always things that, that I want to do better, that we want to do better, um, but and we'll have those opportunities. So we're meeting on it right now. Players are in their meetings right now, wrapping up with their coaches, and then they'll uh, go for the fresh, make sure that they recharge uh, and, and get ready for uh, the next week. But got to treat this bye week um, the right way, and that is, you know, making sure that we're taking care of each other, taking care of our bodies, those type of things, but uh, really have to recharge. And with that, I will take any questions. Thank you, Coach. The first one will be from Tom Withers. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Coach. First of all, very sorry for your loss. That's, it's terrible. Um, hey, as you guys try to get to the other side of hard, has been has been mentioned a few times, Jacoby last night was talking about the play a few weeks ago where he made the bad decision against the Chargers and – Last night in a similar spot, he did the uh, he did the right thing, uh, maybe other than extending the ball at the goal line. Um, how indicative of that, Kevin, is just your team as a whole that guys are kind of cleaning up their mistakes and and learning and and not making them again. Yeah, I think you're right, Tom. I think these games are, are one game seasons, as you know, but you also. Uh, you're trying to get better. You're, you're making mistakes so that you can correct them and, and not make them the, the next time. And and the season uh, has its ups, has its downs. We, we get all that, uh, but but we are so focused uh, on the moment. And last night it was I, I saw our team very very focused in the moment, making sure that uh, we we're going to do anything in our power to come away with victory. And that's really that has to be your mindset every game. Uh, and, and that's that's what the NFL requires. If I could sneak in a quick injury update, anything new on Denzel? And then what about um, David, Wyatt, and Jeremiah in terms of them coming back out off the break? 
Yeah, nothing uh, new to add with Denzel and all those guys, I would tell you, are progressing. Uh, they're, they're all heading in the right direction. Uh, again, this bye week is helpful that they can, uh, you know, use these extra days, but but all progressing. Uh, and and I, I'm hopeful on those guys. Thank you, Tom. Next up is Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, yeah, Kevin, even in seeing like the trade of Chase Claypool today and, you know, and what he got in ex and what they got in exchange for for Chase, um, just wanted to ask you again a little bit of a follow up on Amari Cooper and what has he meant to you guys and how fortunate were you uh, to be able to land him the, the way that you did and, and what he's been able to contribute? Yeah, I, I can't speak to that I'm not aware of that one, uh, Mary Kay. I just got out of a meeting, so I'm sure you guys know what's going on around the league. But uh, for us, you know, Coop, he's a big part of what we do. And, and I think he's a big part of what we do on the field. He's a big part of who we are um, in this building, on the practice field. Uh, I just I enjoy watching Amari work. I enjoy watching him and the quarterbacks work together and rhythm up and talk about different routes. And uh, he's a consummate professional. Um, and, and he's really he, he's a talented football player uh, for his size, the, the way he's able to come in and out of breaks. He wins downfield, can obviously win at the line of scrimmage, tracks the ball well. So, uh, you know, I, I really great player. I think that's the obvious part. Um, but he's a really, really, really good pro. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Kay. Let's go to Scott Patrick. Hey, Kevin, going back to Tom saying that Jacoby flashed back to that Chargers interception as he's scrambling, does it amaze you at all that that would flash through his head or that it even can when things are moving so fast during a game? Uh, no, I think we all have scars. <laughs> you know, I think we all have those flashes. It was in the same end zone, you know, it was in the same end of the building. So I think all of us, you know, I, I call plays thinking about a play from the previous week and, and, two, and sometimes, you know, you got to let – that stuff go as we talk about, but um, it, all of these moments shape us good and bad. I mean, we all take those plays with us. And how impressive has his toughness been from a resilience standpoint, but and physically, I mean, he took some hits yesterday and he keeps getting up and playing. Yeah. He took a shot to the throat there. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's a big man uh, in the NFL. You know, you, you're playing that position. You got a lot of guys closing in on you, but he uh, and all the quarterback sneaks. I mean, those those are shots on the body and, and those type of things. But but he takes care of his body and uh, he, he's always going to give this team everything he has. Thank you, Scott. Daryl Ryder, go ahead. Yeah, Kevin, uh, with the trade deadline about 85 minutes away or so here, um, are you expecting anything to happen? Are you looking uh, or hoping that Andrew Barry does something? And does the result of last night's game change the the approach or the thinking? I just got out of meetings, so uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Andrew uh, in the last couple hours. Uh, it doesn't change my thinking. Uh, you know, focused on what's in front of us. And, and you guys, get, you guys will get a chance to talk to Andrew later in the week. I'm sure you can ask him. But for us, it's just what we uh, focus on what we can control. And you know, with last night's game, the the, the you talk constantly about stacking games and uh, the defense seems to have stacked a couple of games here going into the bye. Um, do you feel like that that side of the ball has maybe found something similar to what they did last year down the stretch? Yeah. I don't know that I would compare it to last year, Daryl. I just think, you know, you go into these games 
and you're facing such unique attacks week in and week out, think about you're going to face Baltimore and that presents all sorts of challenges. You're facing uh, Cincinnati and that faces, and then you've got different challenges. So it's just a reminder that in the NFL, as you put game plans together and, and you try to play good defense, uh, you have different challenges each week. And, and I think the guys understand that. Um, we played really good defensive football last night. I mean, just how we played early in that game, getting the takeaway and then forcing them to punt after we missed a field goal, forcing them to punt uh, after we throw the interception. Uh, us playing good defense early, I think, really set the tone for that game because if we don't play good early, uh, they're able to put points on the board. So, um, of course, you always want to build on on those type of things, um, but it's it's a week to week basis, and we got to make sure that we when we after we get back out out of this bye, we put together a plan for Miami. It's really where our focus will be. Thanks, Daryl. Fred Greetham is next. Hey, coach. Going on what Daryl just asked, as far as you stress the takeaways, and although you weren't able to put points on the board from them it took points off the board potentially for Cincinnati. They, they were driving, they were in your territory. Can you just talk about that? Make such a big difference and how maybe, you know, you can continue to keep that momentum going in that area. No doubt. I mean, it's something we talk about, Fred. It's something we coach, uh, we emphasize. Felt like there would be some opportunities for tip balls uh, last night. And sure enough, shows up on the first drive. So Miles gets his hand on it. AJ makes a great play. Uh, and, and we come away with no points, like you mentioned, with the missed field goal. Uh, we were able to turn, I think, the, the next fumble into eight points. So focus is, is going to be important uh, whenever we get those takeaways to, to come away with points. But it's, it's the best stat there is in, in this team game is that turnover margin. So it's something that we'll always be focused on. Thank you, Fred. Matt Fontana, go ahead. Yeah, Kevin, you mentioned about the trade deadline today. Is it all uneasy to kind of go through the day like wondering if so I mean obviously and we know you talked to, to Andrew and everything but is there any uneasiness to a day like today not for me you know I, I get it you know I but we just got to do our job and then the self-scout this week that you know you do in a lot of the, the team there are a lot of teams do is there something specific that you get really excited about to to really dive into or take a look at or is it just top to bottom taking a well, look at everything yeah I think you you do self-scout every week you know you're trying to keep tabs of where you are week to week you don't want to wait four weeks and then learn something that could have helped you a few weeks previous so you're constantly doing it I think now's a great time though where we've it's a big sample size where we are this many games into it so I do think you can glean some things and I think the most important thing is what do we do well what do we not do well and you got to have honest conversations with yourself and with your coaches about those type of things uh, and then you know make appropriate decisions based on that information so if you got to do let's do a lot more of this and hey this isn't working it draws up on the board it looks nice but it's not working so let's move in a different direction thank you Matt let's go back to Mary Kay Cabot uh yeah a follow-up question on on Jacoby he was talking about how the game has slowed down for him so much and I'm just wondering uh you know have, have you sensed that have, have you seen that in him that he's playing some really smart football and if so is that really helping you in terms of you know game planning and and what he's seeing out there yeah I, I can't speak to it slowing down for him Mary Kay but I, I would tell you just as a veteran he's seen a lot of defense so it feels like week in and week out, you go up against a certain scheme. He's played that scheme or he played a, a descendant of that scheme recently. So he, he knows what the rules are for their coverages and those type of things. So, and he's a big player. You see him standing in that pocket. 
Uh, and I thought the guys, the protection was outstanding, but you see them in there surveying the entire field, uh, making throws to all areas of the field. So I, I just think he does see it clearly. I think that's one of his strengths. Um, and I think in terms of it slowing down, I just think that's preparation. I, re I really do. He works very hard uh, to get ready for these games and, and what he does in the meeting room, what he does on the practice field to make sure that he's getting himself ready uh, to go perform uh, in these games. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Kay. Scott Patrick here. Hey, Kevin, after the game, you mentioned Sione being all over the place. Um, how well, just overall, how well has he been playing? And what's he shown you being in a bigger role than he's had in the past? Yeah, he's done a really nice job, Scott. You know, he's in the past, just he's been our base linebacker and then not in there in some of the sub packages. And but he's always ready to go uh, the moment we would need him. So it is an increased role and and he's doing his job. I think that's where it always starts. He's doing his job. He's where he's supposed to be. And then he's tackling well. Uh, there were a bunch of moments where they were checking the ball down uh, to their running backs and, and he was right in position, got him on the ground. A, a bunch of the guys, John Johnson had a couple of real nice open field tackles. So th that was a big part of it. I, I did think, you know, that was one, probably our best tackling game of the season. Um, and Sione played a huge role in that. And, you know, I know you're one week at a time, but can you kind of quantify just how different it feels going into the bye week, coming off a win, especially one that stops a four-game losing streak? Quantify it? Yeah. Or, I don't know. Explain it. How does it feel? <laughs> the difference in the building today, you know, if you had five losses uh, in the bye yeah. week. Yeah. No, I got it. Yeah, it's, it's – it's listen, you're battling, as you know, these are uh, nobody likes the feeling when you lose. Um, and I can tell you the locker room after you win, all, all those high fives, all, all that, that goodwill uh, is just it's it's uh, deposits of goodwill uh, after those wins. So uh, you enjoy them. Um, but what you can't do is you can't lose sight of what causes that those wins, how you get those results. And I think it just goes back to how we prepare how we how we handle our work week um so yes uh feels better today thanks scott we'll go to tom withers and we'll close with tony grossi and mary Kay cabot hey kevin i wanted to ask you about the tackling um do you guys do a statistical breakdown on that in terms of yeah i know it's like when you see the eye test and guys are wrapped right. what have you but yards after catch things like that do you we, yeah we track our tackles and missed tackles i know pff puts out tackling uh statistics week in and week out as well and and not to nitpick but Kate had another long one blocked last night do you guys have a, pro a protection problem or a trajectory problem uh you know we just got to work at it Tom uh, obviously I thought that one came out low um he crushed the one at the end of the half so we'll, we'll keep working um he's he's a young man he's going to continue to get better at his craft and we do have to protect uh obviously it, it goes hand in hand thank you Tom Tony go ahead Hope you could hear me. I got you. Um, Kevin, two, two quick ones. Number one, uh, I don't think you targeted a tight end yesterday. It's got to be one of the most unusual games you've been involved with in that respect. Can you, re can you remember the last time uh, tight end didn't play a role in the passing game as much? Uh, yeah, that, I think – no, you're right, Tony. That That's unusual for us. Now, they played a big role in the game. Uh, you know, Harrison, right. Merrow, Mike Dunn, James Hudson – uh, watch some of the things they did in the run game, watch some of the things they did in protection. Uh, so they played a huge role. Uh, you don't go into the games thinking you're not going to target those guys in the pass game. It's just how it kind of shook out. Um, but they were a big part of why we were able to do what we did last night. 
And the extra use of the offensive linemen, uh, can't imagine too many teams practice against that. <laughs> you know, and you did it more than just a couple times. Uh, do you consider that an edge when you have something that most teams don't do? Yeah, it could be. I, I think there's, there's always that element, Tony, where you're trying to do – give the defense something they haven't seen or make them prepare for something. So there there's, there's a, a always will be a package of plays that we can run out of those sets. I can tell you the entire offense is very excited when uh, to watch those plays when Drew Forbes is at fullback and James Hudson's at the wing tight end and Mike Dunn's out there. It's uh, it is unique. Uh, they enjoy it. I hope, hopefully they just got fined for me saying their names, but um, it was a, uh, it gave our players a lot of energy. Just watch James Hudson running off the field after that two point conversion uh, really goes to show you how much those guys love competing uh, and love to play that physical brand of football. And we'll close with Mary Kay. Uh, yeah, Kevin, you said you've been in meetings, so maybe you're not up to speed on every single thing yet, but uh, it looks like the Dolphins probably gave you guys a little something else to think about. Uh, when you're going to be heading into your next game against them by acquiring Bradley Chubb. So I'm just wondering, um, you know, what would be your initial reaction to that? And are you guys as a coaching staff starting your preparations for Miami? And do you now have a little something more to, to work on with him? Yeah, I haven't started yet on Miami, but I'll, I'll be sure to at, we'll look at him and, uh, you know, a great player, I, I, you know, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to Miami. I think part of the bye week, is you, you really do have to get to know yourself first. You got to really understand what we're good at, what we're not so good at. Uh, and then we will use some extra time on Miami. And it's a really good football team. They're very, very well coached. I know a few of their coaches, um, they're explosive. Uh, so we will definitely have our work cut out for us um, when we head down there. Thank you. Anything, anything else you can break, Mary Kay? <laughs> uh, no, not, not right now. Thanks, Mary Kay. Coach, appreciate the time. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, there you have it. And Mary Kay informing Coach something that became apparent as we were in that press conference that the Dolphins had acquired Bradley Chubb. They send a first-rounder back to Denver. In addition to that, I believe a fourth uh, to Denver and Chase Edmonds for Bradley Chubb. So you have, you've seen a lot. I had a hunch this would go this way. And it has in the yeah. last week. A lot of names have moved. Um, and so a first-rounder moved there as Denver feels, feels like they're all the way in. Uh, we have an hour and 12 minutes to go before the deadline and feels like more could be coming. Yeah, it feels like it's it's getting a little hot and heavy. Let's go. Fun to see. Uh, certainly in the league, I like it. Um, I got to tell you, you know, the team – for us, uh, again, if we acquire a young asset that can help us for the future, great. We probably need to be – recouping assets which is why if you have a strength somewhere and you give an opportunity to a guy like kareem to go be the guy for somebody that yeah. would be a win-win i think for everybody involved of course i'd love to see him finish out his career here with the cleveland browns obviously um this is fun though it's fun to see yeah, this headline, man. but like green bay get your guy a receiver like what are you doing yeah there's some that are and you wonder, like, did the Bears usurp them right at the end to get Claypool? Yeah. Is that how that happened? That the Bears' second-round pick was better? The Bears maybe offered their initial second-round pick that they had gotten in the trade for Roquan Smith from Baltimore, and then they sweetened it by adding their own, and maybe that's how that deal gets done. Um, you're seeing a lot of teams go for it right now. 
Fans, yeah. mark your calendars for face-off on the lake presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. It's February 18th. It's the Buckeyes and the Wolverines at First Energy Stadium. For a limited time, purchase four tickets for 50 bucks at the mezzanine level. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. So much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fans, you can enter for a chance to win season tickets for the 2023 season from Sugardale and your local Meyer. Two lucky fans will have a chance to compete on the field during halftime on November 27th. For the ultimate prize, text Browns to 55678 to enter today. You had Bradley Chubb dealt to the Miami Dolphins, TJ Hawkinson dealt to the Vikings. Uh, you had Roquan Smith to the Ravens yesterday. Uh, you had Robert Quinn to the Eagles last week. You had McCaffrey to the 49ers last week. Uh, who's the one I'm missing? Claypool to the Bears. Everybody but Claypool to the Bears is a team feeling like they're going for it based on where we are now with a little over an hour to go who got the most out of the trade deadline uh, are you on i don't think you're on am i not now you now are I'm on go go back about how great of a question it was for me great nice question lights. Yeah. great question bo phenomenal job there um i think getting roquan smith was excellent for the ravens it gives mm-hmm. them a, a big force at the second level but the team that I like the most is the Dolphins. I like what they've done on offense. And now defensively, you've got a trio of pass rushers in Agba and Jalen Phillips and now the newly acquired Bradley Chubb. I like that a lot. I think that's great. And I think Hawkinson to the Vikings in this type of a system for Kevin O'Connell gives them another weapon. I think that is an electric move. They're a good move so far. The ones that I don't love, I don't like the Bears move getting Claypool for that second. I don't yeah. think that was a good trade at all. I think the McCaffrey one has the highest – upside because i think they went from a team that you know when they get healthy they were a borderline to me if debo and mccaffrey can stay healthy and kittle and i and all that other stuff like is it good if in his his first full game he threw a touchdown caught a touchdown ran for a touchdown something that hadn't happened in 17 years since the Danian. that was one that was kind of good for both teams like the panthers it's a win for them and for the 49ers to me they're right there deontay foreman ran out ran for eight thousand yards and three touchdowns last week yeah, it's absolutely wild. Uh, Going to be a fun last hour here. The next level will keep you posted. They're coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN, 850 WKNR.